Luke chapter 8, it's good to have you here, the, those that are, are visiting by uh, video today. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1, after this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cosa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Very interesting to see the life of discipleship in, in this chapter. And here is a, a group of, of ladies, if you would. This first part is a, about the fruitfulness of ministry. The fruitfulness. These ladies are the fruit of the ministry. They have come to know Jesus. They have been delivered from demonic spirits. And great things are happening in their life. Fruitfulness. First point is fruitfulness. And it's, it, it is just to me exciting to see how that, that is labeled here, Mary Magdalene. She appears in the gospel, and let's look at this lady's life. She was a grateful soul. She had been freed from a troubling demonic spirit. And she was in, she was in service to Christ, motivated by a, a, a gratitude. So grateful that she was delivered from demonic forces. So she was involved in ministering to Christ and ministering to his needs. She was part of the support team, if you would. She was a witness of the crucifixion. Apparently not alongside of the cross, but at a distance, she witnessed the crucifixion of the one who touched her, brought healing to her, and delivered her from demonic. The grieving process must have been horrendous for her because she found peace through Jesus. She was a woman who kept company with other women that were of age. Notice I didn't say they were old women. <laughs> I've learned a few things in life. You don't call them old women. You call them women of age. And so that tells us that she was uh, a woman of age as well. She was present at Jesus' burial among those who early Easter morning was there to minister to the body to complete the embalming of Jesus. She was among the first to hear the angelic announcement of Jesus' resurrection. And she was the first person actually talked to Jesus after the resurrection. This lady had been set free and was totally excited about Jesus. And I don't think that we can fully comprehend unless we had been dragged through the gutter of sin by demonic forces, can we comprehend the joy and the peace and the excitement and the total dedication that she has to the ministry of Jesus?
because she had been set totally free. What a phenomenal story. What a phenomenal life. And they, and they take time here to share the fact that she was part of the support team. Fruitfulness. Part of the support team. Fruitfulness. She was very fruitful. The fruit of the ministry. Jesus, the 12 with him, and then this group of ladies. We don't even know for sure how many ladies were involved. But providing meals, taking care of business, day-to-day -day tasks, day-to-day -day necessities, these ladies were helping the disciples as well as Christ. While large, verse 4, while a large crowd was gathering, and the people were coming to Jesus from town after town. He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on. And the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell upon rock. And when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, and though hearing they may not hear. Parables. Jesus spoke in parables. And it's interesting to see that the sowing of the seed was one of the parables that he chose. Now, what makes parables so unique? Parables have to do with everyday life. They bring attention. They attract attention to the gospel truth. Jesus doesn't beat people over the head. He took time with the scriptures. He takes time just to get their attention by talking to them about something that was normal activity for them. Normal activity is to plant seed. Normal activity is to have fruit. The parable was also to prevent hearers from being uh, repelled by normal direct statements. In other words, just direct statements, it, it gets their attention. It stimulates them to inquire about the teaching. It, it, they, they love to hear a story. They, they, they get involved in it. They, they perceive a truth. The real truth comes through it as, it as it talks about a teaching of principle, something that they understand, something they do on a daily basis or, or are involved in life. It's something that connects to them. A parable is always has a concealed truth. 
And Jesus taught in parables so that those who would mock and harass him didn't fully understand and didn't know how to mock and harass him because it was in a parable form and they didn't understand. But the presence of Almighty God brings that parable truth to those who are willing to listen, to those who are willing to open their hearts to God, and it connects to them. It represents the heart and the mind of men. We, we must recognize that the soil is the hearts and minds of men. And the parable is, is, is like over 30 times, Jesus uses the concept of a parable to teach biblical truth. It gets people's attention. It draws them to an understanding of who God is. And it's exciting to see this parable come together. Verse 11, it says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. The word of God. I, I can't stress the word of God enough to you. It, it is everything. It is everything. It opens up everything for us. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, are choked by life's worries, life's riches, and life's pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Persevering, by pushing on, just letting nothing stop you. We're in a season of, of growth right now. And there's a lot of power in weeds. Have you ever noticed how powerful weeds are? They can take over a garden. They can take over a lawn. But I've yet to see as powerful as they are and as, quote, unquote, as smart as weeds are, I've never seen them grow in a row yet. <laughs> they just go everywhere. <laughs> never seen them grow just in a straight row. I want to encourage you that this parable speaks to every one of us. That as we're in the growing season of spring, and as we see the difficulties of the early frost and the freeze we've already had, and the future forecast is very interesting for this coming week. And if you haven't heard it, you will be listening now, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. But it is interesting for this week, being that it's spring. There's a four-letter word that's showing up in the forecast. That ought to tell you something, hadn't it? The power of, of the soil, the seed, and growth. As we recognize the fact that, that the seed falls on soil that is prepared and ready. It was not unusual for people to walk through a field... To get to their location and walking through the field, others would follow that path. And pretty soon it became a path that was beaten down 
and rocks would come to the top and the soil would wash off to the sides and the seed would not grow there. What was the reason that Jesus came to earth? When we ask that question, many people would answer in many different ways. But some would say he came because of sin. Some would say he comes so that people can be healed. Some would say that, that he came to uh, make life easier for those in Bible days because they didn't have medicine. They're about healing. It said that some of this seed comes along and the devil. The devil comes and takes away the word from the hearts. First John chapter three, verse eight. Oh, let's go at verse seven. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who do he who do is what he who is he who does what is right is righteous. He who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was the reason, the reason for the Son of God appear was to destroy. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Jesus came to destroy Satan. That is why you see him going about casting out demonic forces out of people and bringing healing to people because he is coming against the satanic forces. You see, he came to this earth to prove that Satan was not all-powerful when he was put in that tomb and he came out. The third day, the resurrection power tells us that Satan's power is destroyed. It cannot keep Jesus down. Satan could not win. And I propose to you that Satan cannot win in your life as either. If you will just continue to press in and declare the word of God, declare that the word of God is going to take root in your life, that Satan is not going to take the word out of your mind. But he'll do everything in his power to keep you busy, to keep you so busy you can't read the word. He'll, he'll, he'll bring so many distractions to your home when you sit down to read the Bible that you'll have to start laughing at the devil, saying, devil, I don't care what you do. I don't care how many times I'm interrupted. I'm going to keep on coming back to the word. I am going to come back to the word. I'm going to read the word. The word's going to control my life. I'm going to yield to the word of God. I'm going to yield to the presence of God. I am staying in the word. Because the word destroys Satan's power. Jesus spoke parables to get people's attention, prayed for people, and delivered them. And when they were delivered, they were extremely blessed. So what happens when, when God does a work in your life? Well, it goes on here to give us another illustration. 
No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on the stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. The light comes, and it is exposed. It's interesting to, to realize that in 1798, 1798, the lantern and gas lighting became popular. The light dispels. We have different types of light bulbs nowadays. We went from this that was come to us in, in 1798, then we went into Edison. And in 1879, electric became very much a part of our life. And, you know, we've, in studying the light history is that Edison, you know, had other people helping him. We have all types of light today. We have incandescent, we have fluorescent, we have LED, light-emitting bulbs. And it is phenomenal, the difference. When we was redoing the basement down in the youth room, we had three different locations that you could you could stand in one place in the room and look at three different rooms. And during the remodel, we had different lighting in each room just because we was doing repair work and had spotlights and we had ceiling lights and different lights. And if you would stand in one spot and look, you could see the three complete different rooms identical paint, the same paint out of the same paint can, looked totally different in every room because of the blue hue that would come off of the lights that was in that particular room. And I want to encourage you that, that the light dispels the darkness. And the word of God is the light of the gospel, and it dispels darkness. It moves mightily in our lives, and we cannot keep it silent. We must let the light out. It is amazing to me how that darkness represents the demonic forces because men do evil things in darkness. And if you can put enough light on a building at night, the chances of it being uh, tampered with or broken into or thieves coming to it decreases greatly because they don't want to be exposed in the light. The light dispels darkness, and light brings peace and comfort. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. The crowds were coming to Jesus. Every town he went to, every village he went to, he preached the gospel. They came to him because... He was the great physician. He was the one who could bring divine healing, set people free from demonic forces. And so the crowds were just pushing against him. And his family comes to see him. And someone told him, your mother and your brother are standing outside waiting to see you. 
Sometimes our families love us, but they don't understand us. Why would you go to church on Sunday? Why would you give that preacher your money? Well, they don't understand that you're not giving your money to the preacher. You're not even giving your money to the church. You're giving your money to God Almighty who gave you the ability to earn that money. Well, why would you spend time there? Because God gave you the breath you're breathing. You're honoring him by tithing of your time. You're tithing of your talents and your resources. You're blessing God because he has blessed you. And Jesus' brothers and his sisters and his mother are at this crowd saying, let's get a hold of him and explain to him that he cannot continue to burn the candle at both ends, day and night, preaching the gospel. He's going to exhaust himself. He's going to get sick. He can't keep doing this. He's out of his mind. Number one, there's a little bit of jealousy going on here. Number two, they don't have a clue what God's doing. They don't understand the presence and the power of God. Some of your family does not understand the power and the presence of God Almighty. People who go to church nowadays go because there's a relationship being formed. It's not a religious experience. It's a personal experience. It's letting Jesus be Jesus. It's letting God come into their heart and their lives and to guide their way in life. And Jesus' family was very much concerned about him doing what he was doing because it was very unusual for a carpenter's son to be doing this. And we don't see Joseph anywhere in the scheme, so he probably has passed away. And Jesus has been one of the breadwinners for his family. And so they was very much concerned about the fact that he was out doing this evangelistic work when he should have been home working. But God had a higher calling on his life, and his family was trying to distract him from doing what God had called him to do. I propose to you that times that family will try to distract you from doing what God's called you to do. Love them. Do not judge them. Be kind to them. But the bottom line is, you must do what God's called you to do. Read the word, pray daily, seek out fellowship, and present the gospel to whoever God brings in your life. To let the light shine. To let the light shine is so vitally important. Jesus was not discrediting family because he went on to say, My father and my brother are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. My family is, involves those who have heard the word of God and put it into practice. Knowledge and wisdom. As we've talked about fruitful things, as we've talked about fruitful things, we realize that knowledge and wisdom is very important. Knowledge is to know the fact that uh, Tomatoes are fruit. That's knowledge. But wisdom is, don't put them in fruit salad. Yeah. And there's another thing about knowledge. You shouldn't tell secrets in the garden. When you're in a vegetable garden, you shouldn't tell secrets. Well, why is that, you ask? Because potatoes have eyes and corn has ears. 
shouldn't tell secrets in the garden. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and set out, and they sailed, and he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Now, isn't that a positive confession? We're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples, where is your faith? In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him. I propose to you today that God knows the storm that you're going through. And Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, and calm came. I would encourage you that there is a peace and a calm that only God can give. What is the storm that you're facing in life? The disciples thought they were going to drown because the storm was so drastic. You've you, you got to understand that storms in that location come up very, very quickly without a whole lot of warning. And so... It wasn't unusual to have a storm just pop up. But Jesus is sleeping during the storm. That's how much he's concerned about the storm. But he's willing to be woke up if we'll just ask God, can you help me out here? Jesus, come to my rescue. The storms of life will come. But God is greater than the storm. You know, just common sense says if Jesus is on the boat, we're going to stay afloat. If Jesus is on the boat, we're going to stay afloat. And I want to encourage you, the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And God has come to give you life and life more abundantly. So don't look at the waves of the storm. Look to the Savior. Look to the one who's going to help you calm the storms of your life. Because the presence of God Almighty can change anything. Mary Magdalene, demonic possessed, delivered and set free, became one of the greatest servants of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Was there on every occasion of his life. Because she had been set free, she had a gratitude and an awesome desire to serve him so that others could have the same freedom that she experienced. And God has not stopped yet. He is still delivering people, still empowering them to be godly witnesses, to let their light shine, to dispel the darkness that others can find Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. And we are grateful for the peace of God that passes all understanding. And Lord Jesus, there was many people who were delivered and set free from sickness, demonic activity in their lives throughout history. And Lord Jesus, you said you'd send us the precious Holy Spirit. In a few weeks, we'll be celebrating Pentecost Sunday. And 
Lord Jesus, many people throughout the centuries have been delivered from demonic attacks. And God, you have brought chemical balance to bodies and brought health and healing to bodies and set people free from the bondages of sin that they could serve you with all their heart, body, soul, and mind. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. And Jesus, thank you for sending the precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, today, we speak to the storm that folks are involved in right now. Lord, we rebuke the attack of the enemy. We rebuke the winds. We rebuke the waves. And we pronounce calm to come to the inner spirit of folks who are battling a storm. All they can smile, all they can look good, but inside there's a storm going on. Holy Spirit, come and calm the storm. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. Friend, thank you for joining us today. And I trust that you will let that prayer grab a hold of your heart and let Jesus calm the storm that you're facing. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan had been is a deceiver. He's the father of all lies. And Jesus came to dispel him. Jesus came to put him down. Jesus came to destroy the works of demonic forces. So seek Jesus, seek the word, and you will be set free. And you will have peace and you will have a calm because that's what Jesus does for you and for me as we seek him with all of our heart. God bless you. Have a great day.